thank you that you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it to good, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that when we go through those battles, when we go through those trials, those tribulations, that you're there with us, Lord. You're there to guide us, to be with us through those. Lord, we love you. In your name, amen. Wow, the Holy Spirit is here. Excellent. Well, thank you, team. Uh, You can all grab a seat. Well, good evening, church. It's great to be up here. My name's Josh, if you don't know me. Um, I'm a primary school teacher. I teach year six at the moment, loving that. And it's, it's a real honour and a real privilege to be uh, standing up here tonight. And it's something that I don't, don't take lightly at all. And obviously, they're not here tonight, but I'd like to thank Pastor Jack and Carol for giving me this opportunity. But again, I was, I was basically born in this house. I was raised in this house. So it's, it's something that I don't take lightly. And yeah, I'm just praying that the Spirit would speak through me tonight. So courage culture, fearlessness, bravery, daring, boldness. The list of synonyms could go on and on. And these are some of the words that we've been speaking about that have been brought up the last couple of months as we've, as we've introduced and have been speaking about our theme for the year. And I, I love this, this idea of having courage, of being bold, having courage in Christ and everything that we do in Christ. But tonight, I suppose, I'm going to take a step away from the, I suppose, meaning or what we understand as courage or those list of synonyms and I'm going to look at it a little bit differently tonight. And what we're going to look at is really showing courage through humbling ourselves and asking for forgiveness and repenting to Christ. But we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. And what I'm believing for tonight is that you literally do not hear my words at all, but that the Holy Spirit really just speaks to me. And as I'm sharing that, again, it's not my words, but the Holy Spirit's revealing things to you, uh, touching you, maybe convicting you, showing things um, that he can help you with. So before we get into the word, I'd just like to pray. Lord, we love you. We want to honour you. And Lord, I just pray that tonight that you'll just speak to people, Lord, that you'll touch people, that you'll start to reveal yourself to them. Lord, I just pray that the Spirit will show things in people's lives, Lord, that uh, how you can help them and that you're there for them in your name. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible tonight uh, and you'd like to open it, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 15, and we'll be starting from verse 11. And it should come up on the screen, but I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. Now, if you've been in church for any period of time, you would have definitely heard this story before, the parable of the prodigal son. Especially if you're in kids' church, I feel like that was the go-to every week. But uh, I still want us to read over it, really delve into it and understand what the Scripture is is telling us. So Luke 15, uh, beginning from verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything." 
But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found and they began to celebrate. And we're just going to pause there. There's a little bit more to the story, but we'll just pause there. We'll focus on that tonight. Now, sometimes when people look at this parable, they tend to focus on the lost son and what the lost son did, or they focus on the jealous older brother, which was in the second part of the parable there. But where I'm coming from tonight and and what my aim is, is for you not, not to really focus on those two, and yes, you can, but just to see God through this, the Father. Look at him. Consider God and what he's done for you and what he can do for you. And I suppose just stand in awe and uh, become overwhelmed of his grace and who he is. Now, as we can see through this parable, it shows us the love of God coming into the world to find and forgive lost sons and daughters. And I want to reiterate that point tonight, the point of sons and daughters. In this parable, the son the one who stepped away from the father, the one who turned his back on the father, the one who wanted to do his own own thing, the one who sinned against his father, he was already a son. He was already part of the father's house and, and of the father's household. So therefore, this parable is not just focused on unbelievers or people who don't follow Christ. It can be for people who are part of God's kingdom as well, but maybe who have stepped away, who have turned their back on God, or who are maybe sinning. So this parable is for all of us. Now, as Jesus is sharing this parable uh, of the prodigal son, he's sharing it to the Pharisees and scribes, who at that point in time, they were hating on him because he was hanging out and having meals with sinners. But interestingly, what Jesus does is uh, he kind of paints the most unbelievable story for the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, it's, it's like that dad that goes fishing and he claims to have the biggest fish on the hook but never reels it in, or he claims when he was by himself he caught the biggest hook uh, but never got it, and the family are just like, there's no way that's true, no one ever believes him. Um, but that's what Jesus does. He paints a story that's so unbelievable for the Pharisees and scribes. So I'm just going to quickly look at how he does that. So in the Middle Eastern culture, especially during Jesus's time, shame and honour was kind of a big pinnacle in who they are, in their living, in their lifestyle. And the Middle Eastern cultures would, and they still do, they aim to be honourable and they would do really anything to avoid bringing shame to their family. So Jesus decides to get his point across by using the most dishonourable and the most shameful characters in the story. And in the Pharisees and scribes' minds, they're thinking, this is impossible. No son, no father would actually act like this. So he kind of paints the two most extremes. 
So the first very unrealistic part that Jesus paints is the son actually asking for the inheritance. That There is no chance that a son, let alone uh, a son that's second in line, would be asking for his inheritance. The father's honour kind of dominates the culture. So it's out of rank for the son to actually uh, ask for his inheritance. So there's no way that that would actually happen. And then he goes on to go even further to actually get the father to, well, the father gives the inheritance to the son. Again, that would never happen. If that actually happened, if the son came and asked, the father would take the son out and flog him because he brought dishonor and shame on the family. Um, So, again, creating this unbelievable story. And to go even further, he was a Jewish man and he left his family. He left where he lived and went and lived in a Gentile land, which would never happen. And then... While he's in that Gentile land, he ends up living and eating with pigs or swine. And in their culture, that's considered unclean. So it's, none of this is to the Pharisees and scribes. This is so unrealistic, so unbelievable. What he's done, or what Jesus has done through this parable, is really paint the worst imaginable situation. So the worst sinner in the worst condition. Now, we know not every sinner is this bad or the worst sinner, but I suppose when one is, it's important to see how God acts or treats this person. Because when we see how God the Father treats and forgives the worst, it shows us how he'll treat us, his sons and daughters. And I'm going to ask some rhetorical questions, and I'm sure, or I know, this will relate to some of you as well. So, have I ever turned my back on God? Yes. Have I ever tried to do things in my own strength? Yes. Have I ever sinned? Yes. Do I still sin? Sadly, yes. So this parable is for believers. It is for Christians. Believers who may be trying to do things in their own strength, maybe have turned their back on God because of a situation or are currently sinning. Now, knowing this, that the passage is actually for believers, uh, I want to dive deeper into it and just to look at God's grace through this. So we're going to start looking at verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So what the son is saying here is, give me my things, give me my property. I want my stuff. I have desires. I want to do things on my own. I want freedom. I want independence. I don't want to be accountable to you. I don't want to be under your command. And That's what the son is saying when he asks the father for his inheritance. And sadly, based off those rhetorical questions I just asked, that can be my attitude towards God sometimes the way I act, the way I do things, uh, the, when I'm sinning, I'm putting God on the back burner. It's, it's human nature. It can be human nature to want to do things in our own, uh, our own way, do things in our own strength. And then we get to verse 13 and it says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living doing things in our own strength, turning our back on God, running away from God, sinning, it can start by feeling free at the start. The son, he would have been enjoying himself. He was living living life as he thought it should be lived. So he was really enjoying himself. And, you know, it's kind of like skydiving where we could use the analogy of God or the father actually being the parachute. 
So when I went skydiving, yes, I was a little bit nervous on the, well, very nervous on the plane ride up, okay? Um, but you know what? As soon as I jumped out of the plane, that just totally disappeared. Uh, I, I loved it. it. It was exhilarating. It was exciting. It was so much fun. And it, it was excellent. But eventually, if you're skydiving without a parachute, you'll realize that you don't have one, okay? And so what the son did is he jumped out of that plane without a parachute at first. And at first, he felt free. And that's what it is. At first, running from God, doing your own thing, sinning, living your own way can feel free and exciting. But eventually, reality hits. And we do see that in verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And that is the reality. It had hit the sun. After his time of living away from the Father and enjoying himself, the world caught up to him, sin caught up to him. And this can be us as well. After a period of time of doing our own thing, going against God, sinning, it's going to catch up to us. It comes at us fast and hard. And you realize that you're in need of something or more, someone. And just going to skip a few verses ahead for verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? So firstly, what happens is that the son comes to himself. The son realized, hey, this ain't it. Going back to the skydiving metaphor, it it seemed free and fun at first, but you realize that you don't have a parachute and that changes quickly. And when the son came to himself, he realized that the place he was at with the pigs, with nothing, was not where he was supposed to be or where he wanted to be. He realized his father's servants even had more than he did. And when we do things in our own strength, when we're sinning, when, when we have our back to God, his sons and daughters, we eventually come to that realization that this isn't where we're meant to be. We, we aren't where we belong. And then going to verses 18 to 19, the son comes, with, comes to himself and he says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So after the son comes to the realisation that doing life without the father isn't all that it's cracked up to be, he shows a humble brokenness and a deep sense of unworthiness before the father. And you know what? Sometimes after we've come to ourselves and realised what we've been doing, that we've been sinning, doing things in our own strength, we may feel unworthy to be called a son or daughter, feel unworthy to be a part of kingdom. We may think that there's no way that Christ is going to welcome me back. There's no way that Christ is going to forgive me. There's no way he's going to accept me back as his son or daughter. But let's look at how the father responds when the son returns and asks for forgiveness in verses 20 to 24. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found, and they began to celebrate. 
And then just skipping a few verses to the end of the parable, uh, verse 32, it says, It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Wow. That is how God the Father responds. In fact, this is how he responds to the worst imaginable sinner. This is how God responds to us, his sons and daughters. The Father's love, it waited and it never forgot. It was a love that fully received and welcomed him back. He, he didn't put the son on probation or bring him back as a servant like he even requested. No, the father welcomed him back with open arms, fully accepting him back into the house. And this is what our father does. It doesn't matter what we've done. When we've turned our back on God, tried to do things our own way, blamed him, sinned or are sinning, this is how he responds to us. And when we have courage, humble ourselves before him and ask for forgiveness, he welcomes us back with those open arms. And again, it's not a forgiveness that puts you on probation, has you as a servant. It's uh, you're forgiven. Welcome back, my son and daughter. Now, relating this back to our own lives, it can be hard. Once you come to that realisation like the son did that, you're doing something wrong, that you're sinning, that you've had your turn back, uh, your back turned to God or doing things your own way, it can be hard to humble yourself and repent and, and ask for forgiveness. Even if we look all the way back to Adam and Eve in Genesis, what's the first thing they did after they sinned, after they turned their back on God? What's the first thing they did? They hid. They went and hid in the garden from him. And this can be our reaction. Our reaction can be to go and hide, run, stay turned away from God because we don't feel worthy. But we've seen what he does and we need to show courage and humble ourselves and turn towards God because he is the answer. And it does take courage. Yes, courage is being bold, being fearless, uh, being strong. But there's a courage to humbling yourself before God, coming at his feet and admitting that you need him admitting that you have been doing things in your own strength, that you've, been, that you've turned your back, that you've been sinning or have sinned. Uh, if the team just want to come up as I finish. If there's one thing that I want you to take out of tonight, it's to look at the Father, and I said this at the start, to look at the Father and really see his grace, to have courage, to repent and ask for forgiveness because we've all been there. We are still there. And guess what? He's there to welcome you back, to forgive you like you are a son, like you are a daughter. Like the lost son who came back to the father and he was welcomed, Christ is there with loving and open arms, welcoming you back. I'd just like you maybe to close your eyes just as we finish up. I, I mean, during the whole praise and worship, I felt it, but... I know that the Holy Spirit is here tonight and I truly believe that God, He put this word uh, on my heart uh, to speak tonight and whether that's for one person or for everyone here tonight, I believe that the Holy Spirit has been and is going to now speak to someone. Maybe you were or are that son or daughter who's stepped away, who's had your back to God because of a situation or a circumstance that, that's been happening. 
Or maybe you're someone who's been trying to do something in your own strength. Or maybe you're struggling with a sin that has consumed you and you see no end in sight in dealing with that sin. Maybe you've got a secret sin that's been eating you away. I just want to encourage you to have courage and repent and ask for forgiveness. Come to the Father. Like Adam and Eve, it it can be against our human nature to repent, to come to Him, to ask for forgiveness. But like I said at the start, look at God. Look at our Father and see who He is. This parable has shown us who the God we worship is and how He will forgive you. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter if you're sinning. doesn't matter if you've turned away. We have a loving Father. Now, this doesn't excuse our action, but we know that our Father is there with open arms to forgive us, to welcome us back, to say, welcome back, my son, my daughter. Lord, we just love you. We just want to honour you, Lord. Lord, you are a good, good Father. Lord, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're going through, no matter what sin, anything that's going on, no matter if we've turned our back to you, Lord, you are a good, good Father. And you are there to welcome us back. Not on probation, not as a servant, but to welcome us back as a son and a daughter. And Lord, I just pray for everyone here tonight. Lord, I just pray that you're showing, you're speaking to people, that you're showing them that you're there with arms open wide, ready to welcome them back. And Lord, I just pray that you'll just give us the courage to repent, to ask for forgiveness, because we know that you are there, ready to love us, and again, welcome us back. Amen.